Old or New Testament? I think the New Testament. The question is, Pilate, remember Pilate from the New Testament? What does Pilate? He fiddled while... Yeah, no, well, just a minute. Let me ask the question, then you can give me the answer, okay? Did Pilate want Jesus to be crucified? Uh, uh, Pontius Pilate washed his hands of it. So did he want him to be crucified? Yeah. No. 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 Well, find a good church. It'll help you. Victoria, low boots. Welcome to Austin, Texas. Thank you. Are you from Austin? No, I'm not. I'm from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Okay, but you're welcoming me anyway. Well, actually, I'd like to give... Yes, I am. And I'd like to give you a Vancouver, BC gift. Check this out. This is a gift for you involving fantasy. You love fantasy, don't you? I love this. This is amazing. What can you tell the people about you and fantasy and why you'd like this, perhaps? This is Sweeney Todd's record. Oh, my God. I just like kind of silly fantasy, like airbrushed art of, like, women's faces in space with, like, eagles and stuff. And this particular band is really interesting because they're from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and look who they feature on the back. Do you know who that is? Who? Brian Adams. Whoa. That's Brian Adams' first band. Massive. Sweeney Todd. That's massive. Now, looking at this picture here, Little Boots, what do you think? Would you ever pose for an album like this? There's some naughty bits exposed there, aren't there? Yeah, I don't think I'd get my boobies out. I wouldn't mind being a kind of horse woman. That might be cool, but maybe not with the breasts. So that's a gift from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada for you, Little Boots. Where did you find this from? At a record store in Vancouver called Zulu Records. That's right. So I brought this all the way to Texas to give to you, Little Boots. Three of you. It's very me. So is it a good record? Though? Oh, it's incredible. You'll really dig it. In fact, you'll probably cover it soon on YouTube, oh, right? I will. I'll do it just for you. And you'll think of Brian Adams. Thank you, Little Boots. Amazing. Now, Little Boots, I'm saying you're really nice. You're the best of the boots, aren't you? What? Are there other boots? Well, you're giving Boots and Lil a good name, aren't you? I'm actually Little, not Lil. But when I come to States, everyone thinks it's Lil, like I'm a rapper. They're like, hey, Lil Boots. Like, it's really urban. I quite like it. Well, I think you're giving Lil a good name because I here at South by Southwest tried to do an interview with Little... What? I tried at South by Southwest to do an interview with Little... Little what? Little John. Who's Little John? Little John. You know the rapper? Uh, no. There's a rapper called Little John. He goes, uh... 
I know the word. He invented crunk. He invented crunk. Oh, right. I should know this. Yeah. And he said no. And then I tried to do an interview with Little Steven. You know, Little Steven's Underground Garage, Bruce Springsteen's guitarist. And you know what he said? No. No. So thank you, Little Boots, for... for the Little. You're the best of the Littles. You're giving Little a good name. Good, good. And continuing on with the Canadian connection, Little Boots, from Vancouver, there's a band called Fan... Death. Fan Death. They're from Vancouver. I knew that one. Who you like. You like Fan Death, don't you? Oh, I really like them. They're brilliant. They're one of my favorite new bands. And what's interesting, Marta from Fan Death has said that people think she is Little Boots. <laughs> Why? She's been mistaken for Little Boots in London and New York. No, but then no one ever like says to me, no one thinks I'm Little Boots. Well, has anybody ever thought you're Fan Death? That's what I'm just wondering. Maybe she should just take over my job, actually, because I never get, people never know who I am. So if she's getting spotted, maybe she just should go for it. I could be fan death from now on. They could be Little Boots. So here we are in Texas, Little Boots, home of the Midi Vest. What can you tell people about the Midi Vest? It was invented in Canada. Oh, is it like you hit it and it plays? Yeah, I love this thing. I heard you talking about the Midi Vest with Peaches Geldof. You were talking... The suit. The yeah. suit. I didn't know it was invented in Austin. I don't know very much about it. I just know there's like a drum suit you can hit and it plays. I assume you could sign anything, so you could play synths or anything from the suit, I guess. It was invented by a guy, it was invented by a guy called Jimmy Hotz, and he's from Texas. I thought that's pretty neat. You turning, returning, the little boots returning or coming for the first time to the home of the midi vest. I like one. I'd really, if, if someone out there has got one, please let me have it. Little boots, I mentioned gadgets, because you love the gadgets, don't you? Gadgets, I love them. I'm a bit like the female inspector. Do you have inspector gadget in Canada? Oh, yeah, we love the gadget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Inspector gadget, that guy who's like... He's like a spy, and then it, he always has a gadget to like solve it, like something will come out of his hat or like his arm or something, and, but he always messes up. And like the female inspector gadget. You probably don't have it in Canada. No, I've heard of the gadget. We love the gadgets. The cartoon, though. In- yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We are down with the gadgets. And I love your gadgets, and you're a great singer. You're a great keyboard player, but I've seen some videos of you live, and you're not playing keyboards. I do play keyboards live. In some stuff, you're just singing, like you're not playing the keyboards. Yeah, yeah, I do. But come on, play keyboards, too. Like, what is it like? I play both. But I've seen you just singing, no. I do. I can do both. I can just sing and just play. But I feel weird looking at you playing just singing. What does it feel like when you're not playing the keyboards? Like, you have other people playing the Little Boots keyboard parts. It used to feel like... I used to feel really naked on stage if I didn't have instruments around me. But I'm a lot better now because, you know, if you're watching it, especially if you don't know about me and it's the first time you see it, when someone's singing, you really need to... It's the first thing they get is the words and they need to connect with that and they need that 100%. And if I'm stood behind a keyboard, it's like a barrier between me and the crowd and it's uh, you know I've tried bands before I've played keyboards and tried to front it it's difficult because you can't move and you're trapped behind this thing and, and there are I- some classic keyboard moves though aren't there like what are the classic keyboard moves that you can do to try to connect with the audience it's kind of like hunching over it isn't it hunching or maybe like a one handed or I guess hunching or like rocking out and swaying or getting a guitar I have a guitar as well and you know doing a bit of that way but yeah I, I kind of just do a little bit now because it's when I'm performing it's it's not about the playing as much as about performance so I think it's cool I think it works I do all the other stuff as well just not as much Little Boots I have a quote for you and it goes quote she's a true artist in the world of bullshit <laughs> that's by Alexander Robotnik yes and I have a little gift for you right here this is another gift for you what can you tell the people about Alexander Robotnik at all Little Boots Ripta rare Robotniks oh wow um, he is like a kind of Italo-ish 
Godfather, basically. He had that song Problems D'Amour, which is like a classic. Um, and then he, I kind of got in touch with him because he did a remix of my songs, Stuck and Repeat, which I didn't even think he'd do. And my manager's like, yeah, yeah, he's going to do it, which I was like, wow. And then he was so amazing. And he said, you know, I love this song so much. I'm going to give it you as a gift. And you want you to have this remix. And I, I couldn't even change the song too much because I, I love it so much. And, and so it's amazing because he was always a bit of a hero of mine. And, and yes. Rare Robotnik's 1982. He's been on the scene a long time. Yeah, he's like an old like godfather of kind of electronic, early electronic dance music, yeah. The Robotnik. Now, I was wondering, Little Boots, you like the Robotnik, but going back to your past, is Blink-182 punk? No. Well, I don't think so. Because weren't you in a punk band, quote, that covered Blink-182? How can you be in a punk band if you cover Blink-182? I was 16 and we thought we were a punk band. But we did play Blink-182 and No Doubt covers, so we probably weren't. But we were 16 and we thought we were. What about the Cribs? Didn't they influence you quite a bit? The good old Cribs. That's punk, isn't it? Um, I don't know if they're punk, but yeah, I love the Cribs. They're great. When was that that you saw them? You saw them with the Kaiser Chiefs, right? Yeah, yeah. I um, I went to university in Leeds for five years. They're just from Wakefield down the road. So I've seen them like, play loads of times, really small places. I just think they're really good. But I just love them. I think there's just something really genuine about them. And they're just like really no bullshit. They're just honest and they don't give a shit about what people think. I think they're cool. They've just got good pop songs. Little Boots, Leeds Blackpool. What's Blackpool like? Is it like Christmas every day in Blackpool because there's lights hanging from the trams that go around there? What can you explain about the lights hanging from the trams and Christmas every day in Blackpool? I would say it's not Christmas every day in Blackpool. Um, and there's only lights hanging from the trams for about two months a year. But it's like a, it's a bit like trying to be Vegas, but a lot smaller and a lot colder. And um, it's kind of run down, but that's the beauty of it in a way and it's just a really special kind of place it's, it's kind of an entertainment town which I think is cool Blackpool also has an annual transvestite competition oh I didn't know that convention? I have no idea I'm not into the Blackpool transvestite scene not that I have anything against it but I have never been involved in it it also has an old wooden roller coaster doesn't it? yep <laughs> which you have been on? Uh, yeah they have a few I think they've got an old like mouse one yeah and Jethro Tull is from there. He is, yeah. And so is um, Chris Lowe from the Pet Shop Boys. And I think Lemmy of Motorhead spent some time in Blackpool too. Have you ever thought of doing any Motorhead covers? What do you think about the Lemmy Motorhead? Um, I haven't considered doing any covers of them. I, I could maybe try. Might be hard on Tenorion, but maybe. Little Boots, what can you tell me about D.D. Jackson here? Who is D.D. Jackson and the song? Oh, look at the outfit. It's amazing. Oh, my love it. This is Dee Dee Jackson and Automatic. Yes, oh, my love it. It's one of my favorite songs. I, we did a tour that I named after this, the Automatic Lovers Tour, and I did an Automatic Lovers mixtape as well that I put online. What can you say about Dee Dee Jackson? Amazing. She's like a, she was like the kind of, the front for another Italo project in the kind of early 80s. She had a few like one hit wonders that were very like space disco, space influenced and um, just all songs about making love to robots and spacemen and stuff. And, and she just wears these like insane outfits. Her videos are amazing. I just love the whole vibe of it. It's a cool aesthetic. Little Boots, how's your suitcase doing? Uh, I got a new one. I got a very expensive one because I was, just couldn't face the trauma again. So I actually yeah. parted a lot of money on a suitcase now, a good suitcase. I think it's my new house, so it's cheaper than buying a house, isn't it? 
I mentioned this earlier, a little bit about your YouTube videos, and you have one video on there called Boots Got a New Toy. Yeah, I do. Boots Got a... You get a lot of new toys, don't you? I do now, but then I didn't. Boots Got a New Toy, and I love one of the comments that went with it below. Did you ever read the comments that go below? I've stopped, because some of them were just so obscene. I've stopped now. This is one of the comments, and it goes, quote, There's a bottle of Jack Daniels in the background. Is this girl great or what? <laughs> I don't even drink whiskey. It's because um, we, when we tour, we get riders and we don't always drink them. So I just steal them and take them home and give them my friends. But that totally won over that guy. He loved the Jack in the background. It's obviously that was like a closet alcoholic. People were really studying the vids. Did you think that when you were filming them? It's like, how can you even see that in the background? It's kind of weird. I, like, I can't make anything out on YouTube. And people are like, yeah, she's got like a green bookcase. And I'm like, well, how do you know this? So we're here at Joe's winding up at South by Southwest. So you can have some interesting internet access. You're always on the net, aren't you? Well, not this week. I've been suffering with withdrawal symptoms. I'm not on the net at all this week. So, do you feel a bit on edge because of that? Well, I just, my, I know that my fans like, love my blog and I re- it's something I really enjoy doing and if I don't do it for a while, like, the whole point is that they can like, you know, I'm out here but I'm t- saying what's going on and, and then when I can't do it, I do get a little bit frustrated. So, yeah, but I, I was actually doing it for something else. I had to, some stuff I had to do, some boring work stuff. But um, I do, like, when I can't get it, I get a bit touchy. And Little Boots, you were nominated for the best enemy award weren't you? you what award was that the best blog the best blog <laughs> yeah and what happened i lost you lost and that's why you're so serious you're gonna win it next time aren't you? isn't that is that the best award to be nominated for i think so yeah but noel gallagher won does he even blog does he really blog apparently he's really funny I have you check out the competition i needed to i meant to i forgot yeah i should have done Winding up here, Little Boots, I ran into a woman called Lana who does the Lana show, an internet TV show, and she was saying she saw you backstage at the Jimmy Kimmel show. Oh, God, Lana from, yeah, yeah, I know you mean. In the green room. Yes, very true. What were you doing there with Maximo Park? I was um, I was just like on my last day in LA. I walked down the street and ran into like the singer, and they were like, "Oh, come and watch," because I'd met them at a gig or something. So I was like, "Yeah, all right." I was like on my own in LA, didn't have anything else to do. That wasn't when you were with your band, Death Disco. Uh, no, I don't think I, um, I can't, no, I don't think I was at the time. No, I was on my own out there, and um, I didn't really have anything else to do. So I was like, "Yeah, all right." Um, so I went, and I obviously didn't know anyone. So I just sat backstage getting drunk, and then like, I ended up chatting to Lana and this other guy who were making videos, and they and just got drunk. And <laughs> I never saw them again. But um, I kind of was vaguely in touch with Lana um, about videos and stuff. So. Was it kind of fun being able to be on the Kimmel show but not being on the Kimmel show? You know, just hanging out in the green room? Yeah, it was really fun because you could watch the show and just, like, get drunk. And, yeah, it was cool. I'd love to play one of those shows. Are you going to return the favor? Like, are there going to be Little Boots fans, you know, that you're going to grab and bring backstage at the Jimmy Kimmel show? Like, are you spreading the Little Boots love to everybody? Your brother's in a band. Who are you going to let party with you? Oh, anyone. Anyone who wants to. How big is the Little Boots guest list when you play gigs? Are there a lot of people? It depends. When I play, like, near my hometown, it's quite big. <laughs> but, um, I don't know. It's not. It's it's not too crazy. Um, I, I don't know. Anyone can come party. I don't mind. With the boots. With the boots. Yes, some new order little boots. You no know bizarre love triangle. Yes, go for it. <laughs> Every time I see you falling, I get down on my knees and pray, waiting for that final moment. You say the words that I can't say. That's the chorus. Little Boots live at Joe's Cafe, South by Southwest, 2009. Thank you very much. I like your shirt and pan combo. Well, thank you very much, Little Boots. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all? Uh, get, get this look. It's incredible.
Why should people care about little boots? Little boots. Why should people care? I don't know. Hopefully because they like my songs. Well, thanks so much, little boots. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do. Do do. I am your automatic lover. Automatic lover. I am your automatic lover. I am your automatic lover. Automatic lover. I am your automatic lover. Automatic lover.
are you? Well, I'm an alternatives lifestyle writer. I've written about 20 books on how to uh, live outside of what I call the corporate imperatives. In other words, how to live very cheaply, uh, how, how to not get caught in the rat race. Your name is Bill Casing. Yeah, I've, I've written a number of books. There should be more in the, uh, in the Vancouver Library because uh, the, the books have sold well, and uh, Loom Panics has sold a couple of my books. So for years, Bill, I've heard the rumor that Disney faked the moon landing. I've heard this rumor that Disney faked the moon landing. Now you're here, Mr. Casing, to prove it's true, aren't you? REM saying, if you believe they put a man on the moon, you're here to prove it, aren't you, Mr. Casing? I'm here to prove that no man has ever landed on the moon. What's the background for that? There's lots of books on this subject, aren't there? Oh, yeah, there's quite a few, and there, there's more coming all the time. Uh, interestingly, several people have or will produce videotapes uh, based on my material. There's a new book out, NASA Mooned America. Yes, that's by a man named Ralph Rene, who lives in Passaic, New Jersey, and uh, the book is very well done. It's, it's far superior to my book because Rene is a, uh, essentially a self-taught engineer, and he's come up with a lot of important points that uh, I missed completely. Well, your book, We Never Went to the Moon, Bill, was probably the first book to expose a moon hoax, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was written in 1974 and uh, has essentially been available ever since. He calls the guy, this is Rene, he calls astronauts astronauts, which is yeah. very interesting. That's kind of funny, astronauts. Like, they're not as astronaut. That's very interesting. Yes, that is true. He, he, has a, he has a good comic sense. Bill Casing, what is the official government line on the moon landings? What's the official government line on the moon landings? You know, can you give your background of your involvement in a space program and what the official government line is about people landing on the moon? Uh, do you want my background? Yeah. Oh, well, I was for seven years head of technical publications for the Rocketdyne Research Department at the Propulsion Field Laboratory in the Simi Hills. That's near Canoga Park, California. And during that time, I had uh, top-secret clearance and AEC, Atomic Energy uh, Commission clearance. And, of course, I was in on all of the, of the top secrets about the development of Mercury and uh, Gemini and, of course, uh, Atlas and eventually Apollo. And my experience as a technical writer led me to believe that uh, a lot of the things that, uh, that the aerospace industry and NASA professed to have done were never done. And they were not as successful as they pretended to be. So that's my background. And then your second question was the government stance. What is the actual government stance on the moon landing, Bill Casing? Okay. The government claims that the reports of astronauts and photographs and some rocks prove that we went to the moon. And my, my feeling is that uh, some photos and some people who have been under military pay or military jurisdiction all their lives and uh, some rocks don't prove a thing. In fact, there is so much contrary evidence to going to the moon, such as solar and cosmic radiation, micrometeorites, the temperature on the moon, 
the fact that uh, the astronauts never reported how magnificent the stars were or they never showed a picture of the crater that should have been uh, dug underneath the lunar lander. It goes on and on. I have hundreds of pieces of information that any really intelligent person uh, could review and then decide for themselves. Well, particularly, Mr. Casing, can you just like prove it here with some little points that we actually didn't go to the moon? In your book, you mentioned that there were no stars in the photos that NASA took. That's right, and they had the most marvelous opportunity to take star uh, pictures of, of all the stars in the universe visible from the moon. Uh, I've talked to a number of top-level astronauts, both locally and elsewhere, and they say that the astronauts would have been overwhelmed by the sight of trillions of stars, not to mention Jupiter and Saturn and the other planets and so forth, but not one picture has ever come back from the alleged trip to the moon showing the stars in all their magnificence, nor do any of the astronauts comment on the stars. They completely ignore it. It would be like going to Niagara Falls and talking about the hamburger you ate. Doesn't NASA say that the reason that there were no stars is because their cameras weren't set for the proper exposure? Isn't that their line? That's their line, and that's pure baloney, because I've talked to photographic experts who say that NASA had all the money in the world to have a, a camera that would have taken magnificent pictures uh, of stars. But there's a little problem. You know, the temperature on the moon is 250 degrees Fahrenheit uh, during the lunar day, and uh, a friend of mine put some film in, a, in an oven and ran it up to 250, and the film just curled up. So it's obvious that the pictures that they brought back were not taken on the moon, nor could they have actually taken any pictures on the moon, even if they had gone there. So apparently they faked the moon landing. Now, oh, yeah. So the moon landing has been faked, Bill Casing. If the moon landing was faked, how come they didn't include stars in their studio, apparently in the Nevada desert, where they were faking the moon landing? They could not fake the star uh, maps because uh, there are too many astronomy buffs, and I've talked to a lot of them. They would have measured the angularity uh, between stars and the position of the stars behind, let's say, the Earth. No way, even with the most advanced computers, could they have created star pictures that would have been, uh, let's say, acceptable to the astronomy buffs. So at MIT, where the simulation took place, uh, the planning for it took place, they simply decided to stonewall it and not include any pictures of stars at all. So the moon landing was faked, and you know it was actually faked at MIT. Where was it faked? Somewhere in the Nevada desert? What's the deal on that, Bill Casey? Well, uh, it said that there's uh, an area near Quebec that looks just like the moon and that the astronauts spent some time up there. Uh, the Nevada desert, uh, I spent lots of time in the Nevada desert, and it looks a great deal like the moon. But here's, here's the kicker. There's an Air Force base near San Bernardino, California, called Norton Air Force Base, and they have the world's largest sound stages under tremendously uh, efficient if, uh, security. They could have easily created all of the moon sets in those sound stages and filmed to their heart's content. 
This was in the Nevada desert. Well, this is at Norton Air Force Base in San Bernardino, but they could have done it in the Nevada desert in an area called uh, 51, which is the northeast corner of the Atomic Energy Commission base there. They have a lot of UFO stuff going on around Era 51, oh, yeah. don't they? Yeah, 51 is a, is a place where you don't want to be found <laughs> at all. All the guards carry submachine guns, and they are told to shoot to kill if, if anybody gets inside the base. So continuing on, Mr. Bill Casing, author of We Never Went to the Moon, to prove that the moon landing was faked, you mentioned there were no stars in the photos that the astronauts brought back. But also you mentioned that it was impossible for the United States of America to actually make it to the moon at that time, that there had been some problems. And you were involved in the program at this time, so you knew about those problems. Oh, yes. One of the major problems, of course, was trying to get things to work in essentially an alien environment. Uh, outer space is no picnic. Uh, you've got the Van Allen belt around the Earth, uh, uh, you know, about uh, 20 miles up. The Van Allen belt would probably have cooked any astronauts that uh, ventured into that area. Then you've got outer space where there are billions of micrometeorites zipping around at speeds up to 60,000 miles per hour, and these would have gone right through the uh, command capsule with the astronauts in it and kept right on going. And these micrometeorites are all different sizes from the head of a pin to, uh, say, the size of a grapefruit and larger. Weren't there actual events, though, that happened to NASA that made them realize they couldn't send somebody to the moon? Like, when did NASA realize that it was impossible for them to send somebody to the moon and they were going to have to fake the moon landing? At what point did they realize this? Well, initially, they realized it in 1959 when I was privy to a study made by the Russians. The Russians discovered that the radiation on the moon would require astronauts to be clothed in four feet of lead to avoid being killed. Uh, NASA picked up on this study and, of course, did some studies of their own. And uh, subsequently, other studies were made about all of the different hazards on the moon, particularly uh, something as benign, you might think, as temperature. Uh, the temperature on the moon during the lunar day is 250 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, trying to keep either the suits or the lunar lander cool during that tremendous heat from a blazing sun would have been impossible because they did not have enough air conditioning power. So you're saying 1959, United States of America realized that they couldn't put a man on the moon? No, in 1959. 1959, 59, that's what I... that's when they got, uh, they got a hold of the Russian studies. See, the Russians never intended to land men on the moon. They concentrated on unmanned vehicles. And the so-called space race was just a lot of baloney. Well, Bill Casing, what I don't understand is if NASA realized they couldn't put a man on the moon in 1959, what about those astronauts that died in 1967 on the launch pad? Did NASA know that those guys were going to die on the launch pad? Were they sacrificed to make the space program more realistic? Uh, I would say that you're pretty close to that. A fellow by the name of Gus Grissom was very disenchanted with the Apollo program. And he, on the day that he was burned to death, he hung a lemon on the command capsules to let people know what he thought of it. Prior to that, he made many trips to the Rocketdyne Downey plant to examine the equipment, and he realized it wasn't going to work. 
a few minutes before he was burned to death, he said, hey, you guys in the control center, get with it. You expect me to go to the moon, and you can't even maintain telephonic uh, communications over three miles. But my theory about uh, Gus Grissom was that he was about to blow the whistle on the entire project, and that he was murdered. Well, if they faked the... What was the... What was the intention of those astronauts? What Apollo mission was that, the ones that the guys died in? Uh, that was Apollo 1. D- that was Apollo 1 on, in 1967? Yes, that he- was Grissom and Chafee and White, his two companions, were supposed to take off in the fall of, of 1967 and go to the moon. And what did NASA have for that? Like, what was going to be the plan? They were going to actually make it to the moon? That was actually a moon flight? Not really. What did, like, what did NASA have planned? If NASA was faking the whole moon program, what did the guys in the astronauts, what, were, what was going to happen to them? What was, gonna be, what was their mission? What was, what was NASA trying to achieve there or prove to the public? Well, by simulating a trip to the moon, they could easily then justify the $30 billion that they spent. They intended to get Gus Grissom and Chafee and White to actually lie about their trips to the moon, just like Armstrong and Aldrin and all the other astronauts have lied about their trips to the moon. I call all astronauts who allegedly landed on the moon bald-faced liars, and particularly Alan Shepard. Why is that? Well, Alan Shepard is one of these particularly obnoxious people. After Grissom was uh, murdered, uh, he refused to help uh, Grissom's wife, Betty Grissom, get a settlement from NASA and from North American Aviation, uh, which she held responsible. And Shepard didn't approve of this at all. She said, he said that uh, we should accept the deaths of astronauts and uh, you don't need any money. So, Bill Casing, are you saying, Bill Casing, author of We Never Went to the Moon, and we're speaking here to Bill Casing, author of We Never Went to the Moon, and there was nobody that ever landed on the moon, right, Bill? That is absolutely correct. I will stake my life on it, and I have many, many, many people who will support this view with technical information, including a man who was at the Goldstone tracking station during all of the Apollo flights, and he is absolutely convinced that they were faked. What exactly brought him to this decision? Well, he realized that all of the input to the Goldstone tracking station came from NASA in Washington. Well, that certainly made it convenient for them to fake any communications that they wished. In other words, they were not picking up data from Apollo on its way to or on the moon or on its way back. They were getting communications from NASA Greenbelt in Washington, D.C., which had complete control of all communications. And at this point, I'd like to mention that uh, Walter Cronkite was the father figure that uh, NASA chose to essentially hype the whole project. Uh, Cronkite is, is a rather big liar. Well, he was in on the Kennedy thing, too, wasn't he? He was what? He was in on the Kennedy thing, oh, too. Oh, yeah. He did, he, recently, he did a film uh, that uh, completely disputed uh, the truth about the Kennedy assassination.
What I'm still curious about, Bill Casing, is that did NASA kill those astronauts in 1967? Did they kill them on purpose because they knew too much? Did they kill them? Did they mean, or was it actually an accident that happened? No, it was no accident. They murdered them because, you see, I found out, and just recently, that whenever NASA was in trouble, they would call on the CIA. Now, we all know that the CIA has and can kill anybody they want without any feeling of conscience whatsoever. So it's my feeling that the CIA was hired by NASA to very adroitly kill Grissom, Chafee, and White. Let's get a bit of a timeline here, Bill Casing. Sure. Okay, you're working here with Rocket Dome? A rocket dyne, it's called, R-O-C-K-E-T-D-Y-N-E. They're, they're still based in uh, Canoga Park, California. And you're working on the space program. I was working on the space program from 1957 to 1963. With probably a lot of ex-Nazis from the Galen organization, I bet. Oh, I met some of them. There were a lot of Nazis, including, of course, Werner von Braun. And an interesting sidelight is after the uh, Apollo project was over, he completely lost interest in space travel, retired, went to work for Grumman, and then he died of cancer. So oh, this also evokes the uh, recollection that after Apollo 11 allegedly returned to Earth, three of the leading NASA investigators resigned without an explanation. Now, this tells you that there were some men of integrity who would, would not go along with this scam. So you're working at the rocket place, developing, working for, the, working for the space program. You eventually leave the space program. At that point, did you know that the moon landings were going to be faked? Because you said in 1959, the United States of America realized they couldn't put a man on the moon, so they'd start faking stuff. Why, you know, why didn't you spill the beans right then? Well, I don't know. Uh, what motivated me to spill the beans was a young man from uh, Vietnam Wars by the name of John Grant. And he said that uh, he was sent to Vietnam to kill people with no good reason. He also got a heroin habit. And he says, Bill, he says, what I want you to do is to blow the whistle on this rotten, corrupt government. He says, why don't you say something outrageous like we never went to the moon? So I attribute my interest in this project to John Grant. If the moon landings were faked, why did they continue faking the Apollo flights? Like in the movie Apollo 13, it points out that nobody really cared about, you know, the space program at that point. You know, America had make it, made it to the moon. Why continue faking moon landings if they'd already made it to the moon? Well, the, the plan was to have something like eight or ten Apollo flights to the moon, and they had been given the money to build all the vehicles to do it, and they felt obligated to carry on with the, uh, with the uh, simulation. But remember this, by the end of Apollo 12, people in America and possibly elsewhere were completely bored with the project. So what they thought they would do and did was they would create a cliffhanger. And Apollo 13, which didn't happen at all, despite the movie, was simply a simulation inside of a simulation to get people's interest back into the space program. Apollo 13 was totally faked. Totally faked. Apollo Those 13 men, the never left the Earth. The movie just up for nine Oscars never even happened. Never even happened. But the guy wrote such a realistic book. 
Well, sure. He's paid to write a realistic book. You know, many of the Apollo astronauts have become multimillionaires. Where do you suppose all that money came from? Well, why did they keep faking the, uh, you know, Apollo flights? I still don't understand. Like, didn't the Soviet Union know it was faked? Why did they keep shut up if they knew it was faked? Well, because a lot of people would think they kept the moon race going to prove the United States was better in the Soviet Union. But if the Soviet Union knew, why did they let the United States get away with this? Well, I'll tell you, at the highest levels, there's a coalition between governments. In other words, the Soviets said, if you won't tell on us and they faked most of their space exploits, we won't tell on you. It's as simple as that. See, what, what Apollo is, it, it is the beginning of the end of the ability of the government to, to hoodwink and bamboozle and manipulate the people. More and more people are becoming aware in the United States that the government is totally and completely public enemy number one. Well, let's get a bit more into the proving part that we never went to the moon, Bill. You okay. mentioned earlier there were no stars in the photos. NASA right. says their cameras weren't set properly. You say, well, they could have been set properly. They just didn't do it properly. There was no crater beneath the lunar lander. What's right. the significance of that? Well, the significance is that the lunar lander engine developed 10,000 pounds of thrust. And I've seen many, many rocket engines of that capability uh, in action, and they are so powerful they will move giant rocks across the canyon. Uh, a 10,000-pound thrust engine would have dug a hole right down to bedrock, and it would have stirred up a, an enormous cloud of dust, and that never appeared in any of the so-called films that they took of the lunar lander. So the, the, the crater, the absence of the crater in any photograph of Apollo lunar landers uh, is actually probably the only real proof that you need. You don't need much beyond that and the fact that there weren't any stars. What about the operation of the lunar module in a sense that it takes place thousands of miles above the moon? This is what NASA says. That like the operation, the big explosion that comes from the lunar module, when it lands on the moon, it happens, you know, way up above the moon. And that's why there's no crater. What about that explanation? Well, uh, you know yourself that the lunar lander eventually had to, according to NASA, land on the moon. Well, as it approached the landing point, the engine still had to develop enough thrust to keep the lunar lander, which weighed in, or in lunar gravity about 3,000 pounds, they had to develop enough thrust to keep it floating above the surface in order to let it gently uh, 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 land on the surface. But that, that obviously uh, was not substantiated by any crater under the lunar lander engine. There were no stars in the photo. There was no crater beneath the lunar lander. These are reasons that we never went to the moon. And this is Bill Casing. You are Bill Casing, right? That's my name. Author of We Never Went to the Moon. Furthermore, the radiation should have turned your astronauts into crispy space bacon. Yes, it would have. And it also would have pierced them with thousands of micrometeorites. Uh, the moon is not a place for human beings, ever. And Russia you know, did a study in about 59, and this is what the U.S. picked up on, when the U.S. realized in 59 they couldn't go to the moon because the radiation was so bad? That's right.
Is there any background for this, or is there any records that prove this about the radiation out there in space? Well, I think any good astrophysicist could give you all the data, because it's been pretty well documented by studies. Uh, it's not hard to find basic information on uh, flights in outer space. And what you come across when you do investigate it is how hostile the universe really is once you leave the Earth's protective atmosphere. Well, do you believe that rockets ever made orbit? Like, did Surveyor or Pioneer actually happen? Possibly, possibly not. Uh, I'm not absolutely certain about that. I will concede that certain uh, unmanned vehicles might have made it to the moon. The Russians are supposed to have sent some unmanned vehicles to the moon, and possibly our surveyor did land on the moon, but uh, units with people in them, never. How about in the actual atmosphere, like John Glenn in space, Yuri Gagargan, were they actually in space? I doubt it. So the Soviet Union faked that Yuri Gargan was in space and that dog that died, Laika, really didn't die? Mm, I don't think he was up there. See, there was a fellow by the name of Lloyd Mallon in the early 70s who wrote a, a very detailed book uh, saying that uh, all, if, if well, nearly all or possibly all of the Soviet uh, space exploits were faked, and he proved it with photographs and technical data and so forth. I, I still have a copy of that book. So continuing on with reasons that we didn't make it to the moon here, Bill Casing is pointing out, there were no stars in the photos from the moon, there was no crater beneath the lunar lander, the radiation should have cooked people, there were various lighting anomalies? Oh, a lot of lighting anomalies. Uh, some friends from Europe came over recently, and what they did, they're very interested in this project, they analyzed NASA films of supposedly taken on the moon frame by frame. And you know what they found out? What, Bill Casing, author of We Never Went to the Moon? Shadows diverged. In other words, if you have a point source of light, like the sun, and you can see this uh, anytime outdoors, all shadows will be parallel. Telephone poles, trees, you name it. All the shadows will be parallel. Well, these men found in analyzing frame-by-frame -frame movies that there was more than one uh, lighting source for this uh, film. Now that proves beyond any doubt in my mind that these pictures, these motion pictures, were taken inside of a, of a movie set using gigantic spotlights to simulate the sun. But because they would pan shots and show, like, the rover or astronauts running around and so forth, if you analyze them frame by frame, you find out that the shadows are not parallel. This, to me, is one of the most significant breakthroughs, and I only learned it about two months ago. Well, how about NASA countering that, where they say, you know, on some pictures, astronauts are lit from more than one side because the sunlight is reflected off the lunar surface or off the lunar vehicle? Very unlikely in a vacuum, because uh, light doesn't go around corners unless it's assisted. If you look at uh, NASA pictures allegedly taken on the moon, all of the potholes, the little mini craters and so forth, have completely black shadows. Well, 
any picture of any device on the moon should have had completely black shadows where the sun did not illuminate them. How about the pictures of the moon where there's curves in the moon? How did they achieve that if they faked the moon landing bill casing? Uh, what was your question again? The curve of the moon. How did they fake the curve? Like you see, you know, the curve of the moon. Oh, well, when I was in Frankfurt, Germany recently, I saw about a six-foot diameter moon, uh, a model, and it was absolutely perfect. So all the NASA people had to do was create a model of the moon, and they could shoot any curvature they wanted. Did people see Apollo 11 take off? Well, yes, certainly. Uh, so what July. happened? What happened then? If they saw it take off, what happened? Like the rocket took off, what happened, Bill Casing? If we didn't go to the moon, what actually happened when Apollo 11 took off? Uh, the Apollo 11 vehicle, or Saturn V, was sent out of people's sight, and then it was jettisoned into the South Atlantic, where all of the six that were launched now reside. There were no astronauts, of course, on board. They were hidden away carefully to be returned, allegedly, in their command capsule by being dumped out of a C-5A transport plane. So did see, they... It was easy to do all of this because they had total control of everything. Were, so they were not on the rocket when it took off then? No, they were not. And then they were picked up. Now, you talked to a pilot who saw all this happen? Yes. A pilot came on the air when I was doing a broadcast just like this one, and he says, Bill, I agree with you 100%. He says, I was flying from San Francisco to Tokyo, and I saw, uh, along with several passengers, I saw a command capsule dropped out of a C-5A, and the red and white candy-striped parachutes opened, and it descended to the surface of the ocean. And what happened after then? Well, they were, of course, picked up and put into biological uh, suits so that they wouldn't uh, afflict anybody with moon germs. But my theory on that is that uh, they couldn't tell these big, bald-faced lies this early. So they were actually kept from the press for approximately a month until they could sort of uh, uh, reconcile themselves with telling a lot of big lies. No, but I'm just curious. Apollo 11 takes off. The rocket dumps in the south, uh, south off South America or of the Atlantic there. Then what happens then? Are the astronauts are just, you know, hiding somewhere and then eventually they get on a plane and then jump out of the plane and they've landed? That was it? That is correct. No moon involved at all. No moon involved at all. I am 100% positive of this, and every day when I get information from people that support my views, I'm more convinced than ever. How did they make the astronauts float, Bill Casing, author of We Never Went to Moon? Because it seems pretty convincing when you see them floating around there. Like, a lot of people, when you say, hey, you know, we never went to the moon, they went, well, you know, I saw it. I saw them floating there. I saw them on the moon right there. Well, that could have been done just like they did the Broadway play Peter Pan. In other words, used uh, wires and suspended the astronauts from an overhead crane and had them leap gaily across what uh, actually was a moon set. No, it's not difficult to uh, show astronauts uh, taking big leaps, uh, nor is it uh, difficult, to, for example, to put them in a simulated command capsule and uh, have them go through, you know, an anti-gravity curve. Could you hold one second? Sure. Please don't hold 
We're speaking here to Bill Casing, author of We Never Went to the Moon, live from SoCal, California. This is Bill Casing. Okay, here I am. Hello, Bill. How are you doing? Oh, uh, fine. J- just to um, reiterate here again, reasons that we did not make it to the moon. Number one, there were no stars in the photos. Right. There was no crater beneath the lunar lander. Right. Radiation should have turned the astronauts into crispy space bacon. Correct. There were weird lighting anomalies. Now, an interesting, the f- another point here is the moon rocks were fake? Like, are the moon rocks real? No, they are not real. NASA has a well-developed ceramics laboratory with high-temperature ovens. Because that's another way NASA could prove they went to the moon, because they brought back these rocks. Interestingly enough, at the University of British Columbia here, David Strangway, the president of the University of British Columbia, was the guy in charge of inspecting the moon rocks. Okay, fine. Why don't you call him up and ask him what he thinks about them? So what happened? The moon rocks were not real? No, they were manufactured on Earth to look like moon rocks. But since nobody has any moon rocks to compare them with, uh, it's very simple to uh, make up a moon rock and say, hey, this came from the moon. Well, how would you know it is a moon rock? Well, there's... uh, Like, how do you know it's not a moon rock? Like, how do you know it's a fake? I had a Seattle geologist who examined moon rocks, and he said there's no question, Bill, that these rocks were made in a laboratory on Earth. The actual astronauts had strange language as well. I noticed from your book there were some little clips and also some other articles like Houston Control said, well, it's a good show. And then the command service module replied, fantastic. And then Armstrong replied, yeah, I'll second that. Like, well, it's a good show. That was interesting language. Roger, we rigged your five by Columbia. He has landed Tranquility Base. Eagle, is that Tranquility? Over. Yeah, I heard the whole thing. Well, good show. Fantastic. Roger, we rigged your five by Columbia. He has landed Tranquility Base. Eagle, is that Tranquility? Over. Yeah, I heard the whole thing. Well, good show. Fantastic. Roger, we rigged your five by Columbia. He has landed Tranquility Base. Eagle, is that Tranquility? Over. Yeah, I heard the whole thing. Well, good show. Yes, and you can find a little more of that in an article published in a magazine called Wired, uh, published in September of 1994. So if any of your listeners want to pick up that magazine, it's Wired 994, and it has a 4,000-word article by Rogier von Bakel, uh, essentially on my contentions. Bill, has anybody ever seen the studio that this was faked in, where they faked the moon landing? Has anybody ever seen the studio where they faked it? Because, like, it's in Area 51, which you alluded to. It was also alluded to in the films Diamonds Are Forever and Capricorn One. Yes, that's right. They did allude to the uh, to the soundstage or the hidden moon set. No, the reason no one has ever seen it and come out alive is because they don't intend for anybody to see it and come out alive. Uh, you got to remember that that NASA is kind of a lethal organization. Uh, Jim Irwin, Apollo 15, uh, was put up to blowing the whistle on the whole project, and he called me up ostensibly to give me the facts. Four days later, he died of a heart attack. Now, what does that tell you? Well, a lot of people died when dissing NASA. What's the significance of the Barron report? Oh, that's profound. A man named Thomas Ronald Barron was an inspector on Pad 34, where Grissom, Chafee, and White were murdered. He brought forth a 500-page report on the mismanagement, the incompetence 
of NASA and North American. And uh, again, like Jim Irwin, a few days after he testified before the Congressional Investigating Committee, he was found dead in his car at a railroad crossing. Now, what does that tell you? A lot of people got knocked off. Oh, yeah, just like the Kennedy assassination. Something like 18 people died uh, after the Kennedy assassination, and the odds against that are something like 3 trillion to 1. No, NASA and the CIA and, and the whole U.S. government is a rotten and corrupt organization designed just to get all the tax money they can out of people, uh, to manipulate their minds, to keep them amused with sporting uh, events and, and silly uh, TV sitcoms. Uh, we, unfortunately, in the United States are pretty well brainwashed to believing whatever the government says. And they have control, as you well know, of the media. So again, Bill Casing, please prove that we never went to the moon. What again are some of the points you'd like to go through? Or maybe go through the scenario of what actually happened with that flight. I'd still like to clarify what happened. Maybe you could walk through what happened, how they faked the moon landing. How was the moon landing faked? You know, was Disney involved? Maybe you could just go through that scenario. Okay, well, the astronauts were not in the Saturn V when it took off. They were flown to the West Coast and kept in hiding until it was time to so-called bring them back. In the meantime, the Saturn V was dumped into the South Atlantic, never to be seen again. On the day that they were due back, they were loaded into a command capsule that was purposely heat-streaked, put into a C-5A airplane and flown out over the landing zone and dropped out. And uh, when they emerged, they came with stories of, uh, of landing on the moon and uh, wonderful photographs. You know, the National Geographic has magnificent pictures. Well, all of these magnificent pictures were taken on Earth because to take them on the moon would have been impossible. The temperatures were too high. The film would have curled up as a result of it. Uh, if you notice that the Hasselblad camera is worn outside of the astronaut's suit and it is not cooled in any way. So that camera would have heated up to uh, the, the temperature to bake cookies in a very short time because the, the sun on the moon is, is absolutely relentless. There's no atmosphere to mitigate the heat of the sun. So... Uh, NASA made a few phony uh, moon rocks and came up with the stories of the astronauts and uh, put out a lot of pictures. And actually, it, was, it wasn't hard to fake the moon landings. And afterwards, they kept on faking, like they, they faked Apollo 13, the whole thing. Sure, the whole thing was just a scenario to get people more interested in the space project, make it seem like a cliffhanging operation, that it was more dangerous than it, was really, than it really was. And they realized in 1959, 1959, that they couldn't put a man to the moon. Uh, that's when the Russians realized that the, the moon was lethal and they stopped all planning of landing a man on the moon. And the United States got a hold of this information and that's when they began planning. In fact, one of the men in advanced design that I knew quite well said that the chance of landing a man on the moon was, one, was .0017. 
that was the, the percentage of opportunity to actually take somebody to the moon and back again. Well, how much space stuff since 1959 has been real? Like, what space stuff is real today? Did the Challenger blow up? Did NASA know it would blow up? Yeah, and you know why it blew up? Because Krista McAuliffe, the only civilian and only woman aboard, refused to go along with the lie that you couldn't see stars in space. So they blew her up along with six other uh, people uh, to keep that lie under wraps. So the t- I, I claim that Krista McAuliffe was murdered. So when the Challenger blew up, it wasn't because of O-ring problems. It was because NASA murdered the people because they didn't want them to go along with the gags? They, they, well, Krista McAuliffe was a woman of great integrity, and she would not agree to say that you couldn't see stars in space. So, Bill Casing, are you saying that Roberta Bondar, Canada's first astronaut, never actually made it in space because she was on the shuttle? Uh, Well, I'll tell you what, the shuttle is a possibility. After all, it's low altitude. Uh, I haven't done a great deal of research on the shuttle, but several people have said that the shuttle is actually faked also. Krista McCoffley refused to say that she couldn't see stars in space. That's right. And which would verify the moon landing claim of no stars in the photos on the moon. Exactly. So they, bl- Once you so they blew telling- her up. What's that? So they blew her up. Yeah, exactly. Once you start telling lies, you've got to keep on going. And then, of course, you try to cover up lies like the film uh, Apollo 13. Which I'm sure is not on your bestseller list for this year, right? <laughs> I've seen it, and I examined it very carefully, and I found a, a, a tremendous anomaly in it. They show the exhaust of the lunar lander model engine as being uh, a yellow gold. Well, the fuels used on the lunar module were nitrogen tetroxide and unsymmetrical dimethyl hydrazine, which produce a opaque red gas. So uh, their technical experts on Apollo 13 weren't really with it because uh, otherwise they would have created a red, opaque gas as the emission from the lunar rocket engine. So Krista McAuliffe refused to say that she couldn't see stars in space. Those three guys that died in 1967 on the launch pad, they were, they were, were going to refuse to go along with this gag that they were actually going to go to the moon, and then they got murdered as well? That's correct. And so who else is going to get murdered? What else is coming up? What's the future? Like, what is real that's in space that we can see out there, Bill Casing, author of We Never Went to the Moon? Well, I would say this, that the number of people that believe my version of Apollo are increasing in great numbers. I had a fellow come up from L.A. He borrowed all of my papers, materials, video and film and so forth, went back and did an hour and a half tape on We Never Went to the Moon. Uh, The book is being translated into German and Italian in Europe. I've had inquiries from Australia, from Hawaii, from essentially all over the world, and uh, all of our, all of them are highly supportive, and have given me a lot of brand new information which I never knew before. So my feeling is that uh, within a short time, the Apollo hoax will be exposed, and after that, that will open Pandora's box. After that, the U.S. government is going to be hard pressed to keep the lies about the Federal Reserve Bank, about the IRS being the Gestapo of of America, 
about the fact that all silver was taken out of circulation in 1963, the fact that uh, Canada does not import our meat because it's so full of rotten chemicals. I'm sure you knew that. The Canadians are pretty smart because they don't import American meat. So you see, in this country, we're at the short end of things because of the corruption of the government. Bill Casing, there are some people who believed the moon landing was faked, and you believe the moon landing was fake, don't you? Oh, totally, 100%, and I always will. I'm going to work on it until the day I die. Because there's some people who believed the moon landing was faked because the U.S. government didn't want to disclose that they'd been on the moon since 1910. No... My feeling is that no human being has ever landed on the moon because of the lethal environment on the surface. Well, how do you deal with people who are you're trying to convince this to? Isn't it like trying to convince people the Earth is flat? You know, how do you, how do you distinguish yourself? You know, with these people, Bill Casing. Well, it's easy. I've got the proof. I've got the photographs, which are available to anybody. All it takes is some study. If you look at the pictures taken uh, of Aldrin by Armstrong, you can find so many mistakes in those photographs that uh, anybody in in his uh, right mind would realize just by those photos alone that they were fake. Well, how did the media fall for this? Well, the media doesn't fall for anything. The media is controlled by the government. Uh, the Dutch papers on July 21st said that, that the moon landing was a, was a hoax, was a fake. And I have been unable to find any of those Dutch papers, although it's well documented that they did publish information with proof that, uh, that the U.S. was spoofing everybody. Didn't the National Enquirer also have stuff, too? Well, I did send some of my material to one of their subsidiaries called Weekly World News, and they did a marvelous job of uh, presenting my material. It was extremely accurate. So it, it has, it, you know, I've been in newspapers. I've been on Oprah Winfrey show and uh, quite a number of other uh, leading television shows. What did Oprah want from you? Oh, she wanted me to talk about the moon book. I did that July 5th, 1981 in Baltimore, Maryland, on the leading uh, NBC station there. Well, July 5th is my birthday. Oh, well, that's a good synchronicity. Have you ever talked to any astronauts at all? yes, I've talked to uh, Edwin Buzz Aldrin. Uh, I was invited to appear on CBS television in Los Angeles with Colonel Aldrin. And uh, they called him up, and uh, he wouldn't appear with me. So I called him up, and I said, Buzz, why don't you appear with me? And his exact words were, quote, that is something I do not want to do. And he hung up. Now, if allegedly, if in reality they had gone to the moon, wouldn't they put me on the air with uh, a genuine astronaut and let me debate with him? You've got to remember, too, that, uh, that uh, Armstrong, Neil Armstrong, has not given more than three interviews since he allegedly returned from the moon. A friend of mine went to see him to, to question him, and he not only refused to talk to him, he said, if you hang around my farm much longer, I'll call the police. Now, here's the most famous man of the 20th century. Neil Armstrong allegedly set foot on the moon July 21st, 1969. Why won't he talk about it? 
Maybe he's just tired of talking about it. No, he couldn't be uh, tired of talking about it because it's his duty and obligation to be a national hero. He took NASA's money. He was supported by the government for many, many years. And here he is uh, in a in a position of of let's say talking about Apollo in a very convincing way, but he won't talk at all. Now he lives on a farm in uh, in Ohio near Columbus. Anybody can find his address and go see him. And uh, you'll and well, I'll ask you why don't you call him up and see if he'll answer some questions about uh, no crater and no stars and so forth. I'd love to. Can you supply me with his number? I don't have his number, but it shouldn't be hard to get it from. Uh, uh, well, right now they have a CD-ROM or a uh, software program that has all of the telephone numbers in the United States. So you should be able to get it from that, unless you can get it from uh, Ohio information. Wouldn't they have unlisted numbers, though? Well, he possibly has unlisted number, but he's uh, numbers. But he's president of a of a company, and it shouldn't be hard to track him down. At one time, I had his number when he lived uh, in another area, and I tried to get in touch with him uh, to no avail. Bill Casing, you've been trying to prove that we never went to the moon for twenty years now. What new information have you garnered? Well, as I said, most recently, the divergent shadows, uh, Ralph Rene has done a, a very comprehensive study on temperatures on the moon. He's proved that in no way could the lunar lander where uh, Aldrin and Armstrong slept uh, could have been cooled down because they did not have the power. So it's, it's, uh, what's happening now is that a lot of technical information is coming uh, on stream. Uh, also, I think you picked me up off Internet. Yes, I did. Yeah, right. Well, see, my name is on Internet, and uh, uh, my book's on Internet. I'm now getting phone calls from many different people who believe in my uh, contention that the Apollo was a hoax, and they have contributed a lot to, to the body of information that I have managed to acquire. Is there any way of, like, going to the Smithsonian in Washington and looking at the stuff and seeing that it is fake? Oh, yeah. One of my friends went to the Smithsonian, and he measured the exit door of the lunar lander and found out that uh, astronauts wearing their life support systems could not have gone out that door. They were too big. And all this was faked somewhere in the desert. Well, either in the desert and or Norton Air Force Base, I suspect that a lot of the real fine photography and action was done at Norton Air Force Base where they were able to create what appeared to be solar lighting. That was one of the most difficult things to do, to create, to simulate the sun, because the sun's light is so glaring, so powerful that it would have taken a tremendous arc lamp to simulate the sun. And they could have actually created a vacuum inside the sound stage. See, if you've got $30 billion, it's no problem to do just about anything you want, including murder people, eliminate anybody that comes on stream and tells opposing stories. I have been invited to talk on radio many times, and I have been immediately discredited. In what sense? Well, for example, Chuck Ashman in L.A. called me and he said, I understand you say we never went to the moon. And I said, yes, and here's my proof. 
Well, he clicked me off, and he said, well, this is what I call uh, an irresponsible journalist, a man who has no real proof that we didn't go to the moon, but he's running around telling people that it was all a hoax. And that's what we want to do right now is prove it. One last time here, Bill Casing, the proof that we never went to the moon. Bill Casing, author, 20 years you've been working on this. We never went to the moon. The proof is there were no stars in the photos that were supplied by NASA. That's the strongest piece of evidence, the strongest argument that supports my view. And, and because Krista McAfee did not agree to that, she was murdered on the Challenger. That is correct. And there were no craters beneath the lunar lander. That is also correct. And nobody's ever seen the studio either. That's more reason to believe we never went to the moon, right? That's right. Radiation should have, like, destroyed the astronauts. Yes, it should have. There was... Were they there? There were lighting anomalies. The moon rocks weren't real. The actual astronauts had weird language when they were actually talking. Like, it was a good show, fantastic. And also, it was impossible to make it to the moon, you believe, because since 1959, Russia had said you wouldn't be able to make it to the moon because of the actual radiation. That's what you believe, right? Yes, sir. That was the real turning part. It was actually physically impossible to make it to somebody, for somebody to make it to the moon? That is correct, and that's why they say, and there was an old saying in NASA, if you can't make it, fake it. Are there any other points we haven't pointed out here today, Bill Casing, about not making it to the moon that we haven't covered more proof to prove that we never made it to the moon? Well, I think we've covered the, the very important general ones. Uh, there are a lot of details. For example, uh, Edwin Aldrin, when he came back from his alleged trip to the moon, wrote a book called Return to Earth. Well, I've read the book three times, and in it we find a man who is trying desperately to tell the truth, but he's unable to. In other words, they put the wraps on him. They've, they've told him, don't ever talk about the moon as, as a fake. But an interesting thing happened to Aldrin when he was speaking at Edwards Air Force Base to some of his fellow pilots. He was asked by a TV in, in interrogator, what was it like to be on the moon? And Edwin Aldrin at that point could not answer that question. He began shaking and trembling. He walked off the stage into an alley and later got drunk. Now, if you've done something honestly and truthfully, you can talk about it without any problems. Well, it was obvious that here was an occasion when Aldrin could not tell that lie one more time. Have you been threatened at all, Bill Casing? Oh, death threats and uh, letters with skull and crossbones on them. I've been called a commie sympathizer, a traitor to the United States. Uh, many things have happened to me. One time I was on KOME radio doing a three-hour show, and halfway through the show, someone dropped napalm on the transmitter in the Gilroy Hills. They wanted to cut us, cut our story off, and police came. They offered us police protection, and the KOME was off the air for three days until they could fix a quarter, mil a quarter of a million dollars uh, damage. Boy, Americans really care about the moon landing, don't they? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's like Pearl Harbor. They managed to cover up the, uh, the truth of Pearl Harbor uh, since December 7, 1941, and everybody that was in World War II, including me, knows that uh, the Japanese uh, were uh, set up to do it. In fact, uh, some people told me that uh, two shiploads of, ship of gold were sent to Japan 
to finance Pearl Harbor. They were sent by the British because the British wanted us involved in the war, and Pearl Harbor seemed like a good way to do it. So the Americans bribed the Japanese into bombing Pearl Harbor? Yes, and Roosevelt, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, not only knew about the attack, he helped arrange it. And he suppressed the information about the Japanese attack from Kimmel and Short, the naval and army commanders at Pearl Harbor. Amazing. Something else I'd love to talk to you about uh, down the road. If you want another interview, I know quite a bit about Pearl Harbor. And uh, I have several books on the subject. And uh, this was one of the biggest hoaxes perpetrated by the U.S. government to get us involved in a deadly war. And... Um, uh, there's no question that, that it was all set up. Are there any Canadian connections to the moon landing? You mentioned uh, Quebec looking a lot like the moon, and perhaps some photos were taken there to help fake the moon landing. Yes, I was told that there's an area north of Quebec that's very rocky and very uh, austere. There's no vegetation, and that some of the astronauts were seen in that vicinity, and it's possible that they were trying to take lunar shots uh, north of Quebec. Why should people care about the moon landing, Bill Casing? Why should people care that the moon landing was faked? A lot of people go, big deal, we got other stuff to worry about. Big deal, Kennedy was, you know, killed the moon landing. What's the, why should people care that the moon landing was faked? Well, I think we should care because it proves that the U.S. government is just uh, a body politic of lies and falsehood. They have been for many, many years on all of the important subjects. Social Security is bankrupt. Uh, the food in America is all uh, weak poisons. Uh, people are, are put under the thumb of the IRS. There are so many things wrong with the United States. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't dislike the people. It's the government that I call public enemy number one. The government that lies, that says there were stars in the photos taken on the moon. The government that lies, that says that there was a crater beneath the lunar lander when there was no crater beneath the lunar lander. The government that lies, that says the moon rocks were actually real when they're actually fake. The government that lies, that says the government that killed Krista McAfee. I can't believe that Krista McAfee was actually killed. She was killed because she wouldn't go along with the, with the myth of going to the moon. Well, she wouldn't perpetrate the lie that was very important. She was going to tell the truth, and uh, you have to look out for people like that. And those poor three guys that died on the launch pad, those guys wouldn't go along with it, too, and they were nailed. It's kind of scary, Bill Casing. Well, uh, seven, other, seven astronauts were killed in 1967, and it's very possible that all of them intended to blow the whistle on the government, and so they were eliminated, just like the witnesses to the uh, Kennedy assassination. Anything else you'd like to add to the people out there in Radioland of Vancouver, B.C., Canada? Bill Casing, author of We Never Went to the Moon? Well, I will say this. Uh, whether you believe my story or not, go to the library in your spare time and take a look at some NASA books and study the photographs. Use your own intelligence to analyze them and see that they could not have been taken on the moon. That's, that's the number one proof. All right, Bill. Keep on rocking in the free world and doot doot a loot do What's that? Bill, do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I'll take it easy. No, do-do-do-do-do. Do-do. Where's the 
presentation of CITR News.